Hey, good morning, folks. It's a morning walk with Bud. I'm uh, heading out to the, the gate here. I think it's about quarter to seven. Looks like Alma's washing down her car over there. Hey, Bud, come here. The, uh, yeah, I'm, I had coffee. I'm kind of hyped up. And, uh, hey, Bud, come here. Get that in there. Got to put his harness on him. The harness on the bud. Okay. All righty. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Walking the bud. Partly cloudy, partly cloudy skies. Before seven. Yesterday I flew early to Burbank, California for a meeting and came back and uh, same day. Kind of quick turnaround. It makes me wonder about traveling. The flight's only an hour and um, uh, it seems like it went pretty quick, the whole thing. I mean, from the office to the airport, it was only like 45 minutes. You get gas, blah, blah, blah. I basically left at 2 and got home at 6 because of all the in and out traveling between airports. If I flat out just drove it, I think it would have been six and a half hours. So instead of four, so I saved two and a half. But the, what I'm getting at is, you know, just sit there for six hours and drive. That's a lot of work, it turns out. You gotta pay attention what, and it's not really that safe, right? All that time on the highway. So anyways, flying's good. Um, but it also, I think it, I wonder if it throws off my bio, biological clock. We all know, like, if you travel 12 hours overseas to another time zone, you get thrown off. But I, I, feel, I woke up really early this morning, kind of hyped. And I've been, I've been out for probably since 3 in the morning. And I can't really describe it. I can't explain it. I can describe it. That was a bad choice of words. But, um, yeah, I can't, I don't really, I can't really explain it. I don't. I don't know why I'm kind of hyped up. I'm thinking, was just flying in a plane? Is that like time travel money or something? I don't know. Anyway, um, back home, short trip. Start another one tomorrow. So I probably won't be a walking bud for till the weekend, till Saturday. So uh, yeah, this will be the last podcast for three or four days. And yeah, so I'm hyped. I don't know. It's Twitter and Facebook. There's politics going on, and I get sucked into that stuff. And it, it's such a. <clears throat> I mean, for me, it's a. It's like it's like a puzzle, like playing Sudoku or Sudoku or whatever it's called. Or you know, you read somebody's comment and then you just kind of play a game with it. And uh, so. I mean, I guess you get entertainment. I usually, I, I like to, you know, I guess they call it an internet troll, right? You're looking for a response. I don't know what the hell that troll means. That's such a pain in the ass word. It's usually just an insult when someone gets frustrated with your idea. They just call you a troll. So I, I don't call anyone a troll, okay? All right. So there's one, one of my principles. I don't, <laughs> I don't, no one's a troll. 
How's that? Is that abundance thinking? So there are no trolls on the internet. It's just a derogatory term to like put someone down. But uh, there's, I think everyone probably does get some satisfaction if you make a comment and then you get a reaction out of it. I mean, there's some kind of satisfaction like, oh, I'm communicating with somebody. I'm communicating with the, through this device. But it also gets philosophical because I'm like, I was thinking this morning, like, what, what, uh, I have my perspective. I live in Arizona. I'm walking my dog. And, uh, and yet, you know, there's people in New York City, for example, and there's this noisy, loud, who knows what people's living conditions are. And all those things shape your ideas and concepts. So, I mean, they're, they're tweeting out Facebook's posts, whatever, and I have no idea who they are, right? And they're shaped by whatever they're shaped by. And my latest spat was with a guy named Binge Thinker, which that's kind of a clever name, right? Binge Thinker. But, you know, so I finally had to slap him around and say, well, you might be binge thinking, but you're thinking about the wrong things or something. So start start reading or start thinking about other ideas besides the ones you're stuck on. <laughs> so so binge thinking is may sound cool, may sound like, oh wow, binge thinker. But what are you thinking about? Well, I mean, do you have any other perspectives? Do you think about the other side or other point of view? Can you can you listen to an argument about the other side and uh, argue that one, you know? And then there's the old frameworks. The other, the one that really got me fired up is, uh, there's kind of a famous guy named Ben Shapiro. I mean, he gets a lot of media attention and he's doing his thing, but it's politics. And he sets up the, a framework, like, you know, real clever, like, Oh, it's, it's possible for two things to be true. So A can be true and B can be true. Well, just setting up a framework, it's like, well, yeah, two things can be true. If two things can be true, three things can be true and four things can be true. I mean, it's this artificial framework to try to influence you to agree with him or see his point or whatever. And he, to me, but that's not even the worst of it. The worst of it to me is that he actually believes he knows what someone else thinks, right? So he, he, to me, that's like a huge classic error to say, well, Trump believes one, and, but Trump, you know, doesn't believe two. Well, how does he know what Trump believes? <laughs> I mean, it's just a phony argument. I'm sure lawyers take classes on this stuff or debate teams. They must, I'm pro I probably should take some myself. I don't know. Maybe I'm self-taught or something. I just, I just can't see how this guy, he's a smart guy. But then this is the thing that pisses me off about Twitter. He can just, what I call laying a turd out there, you know, basically that tweet it was a turd. It, it's it's poor. It's not it's not well thought out. 
It's easily shot down. But he doesn't care. He's not going to own his mistake. He can just put it out there. And then a bunch of people respond to it, me being one of them. And I'm saying, dude, you, you don't know. How can you possibly know what Trump believes, dude? And he can't. There's no way. There's no way. He, he's just like basing it on some 30-minute public speaking thing with Putin or something, you know? And he says, because during those 30 minutes, he didn't say X, Y, Z, therefore he doesn't believe it. Well, maybe that's not the right time to say what he really believes, dude. It's just like these assumptions that people make. It's really pissed me off. So I don't know if this is my political bent. You, you can tune in to any station. It's all produced. Get much better looking people with better looking teeth than me. <laughs> Although Buddy, Buddy's got some great looking teeth, don't you, Bud? Because I try to brush them every week. So public service announcement, announcement to people that own dogs. Find out how to brush your dog's teeth and do it once a week. Because after four years of not brushing their teeth, you're going to go to the vet and they're going to find out that their teeth are just like decaying and they've been in pain for probably six months or a year and they have to yank out the dog's teeth. And you get hit with like a $500 bill to get the dog's teeth out because you haven't been brushing their teeth once a week. And you can get this product, this gel product. It's really easy. It takes like five minutes. The dog loves it. And you save the dog's teeth. And they love it. And he's got a good smile. And he looks good on Fox News or MSNBC. Either one. CNN. Bud, Bud, you'd look good on CNN too. Wouldn't you, buddy? You. <laughs> so what are we doing today? What else? Um, I know I have one least listener who's probably semi-faithful listener probably enjoys it this is the entertainment that's all this podcast is for folks is entertainment i and it's for my benefit really i just talk well i gotta walk the dog anyway so i enjoy just blabbing maybe i'm probably getting some good practice of how to just blabber and uh so one of my respected internet new world order contacts put out an interesting uh, Facebook post about our schedule and uh, you know they ha- people have all these calendars and p- way to manage your time and I guess I've seen those types of things for years. And, uh, oh boy. Um, And uh, there's all kinds of methods and systems and blah, blah, blah. And I really appreciated her methodology just saying, hey, this is what I do. Here it is. working for her and uh, I guess the takeaway message I get is hey you can do a lot of stuff you can get a lot done if you organize your time a bit or have some kind of system and and more or less too I'd say you get peace of mind 
I guess. To me, like, it's great to have success. I have a feeling she would have very close to the same results anyway. Maybe not. Um, This is a podcast, so I can't ask the question, but I suspect she's a pretty clever gal, and um, she's able to figure out what she calls the big rocks. That's kind of a, I remember that from, uh, that guy, was it Stephen Covey? He was a big guy on time management, personal management, and he gave a nice talk and had this jar, and he said, well, if you put sand in the jar, you don't have any room for the big rocks in there. So you gotta take care of the big big rocks. So a good illustration, but you're listening to this podcast and you can probably anticipate already I'll find something wrong with that. <laughs> Why not? I hadn't thought about what's wrong with that until now. So what is wrong with that? Well, it's because the jar is the jar, man. And the way life really works is a big rock comes along and you don't have any room in your jar because you got a bunch of sand in there. Guess what? You just tip this jar over and get rid of a lot of sand. And now magically you've got room for the big rock. Right? Right? Am I right? Right. Like, what was it? Has it been eight weeks already? My wife gets the news that she's got cancer. Well, that's, most people would probably consider that to be a, a big rock, right? But I didn't do my yearly plan, you know, in January. Oh, let's stress out. I got to have my yearly plan. And, oh, this year I'm going to schedule in May 15th that I'm gonna get a big rock that my wife's got cancer. So guess what, folks? We gotta, you know, if I didn't plan for that, oh man, man, now I'm being, I don't know what I am, I'm being kind of a jerk about it, but the point is, is big rocks are gonna come up in your life. And I'm not arguing with my friend, right? I hope she doesn't misinterpret if she's listening to the podcast. I'm not arguing with her. I'm just saying she she gets it. She knows how this is where I'm starting to appreciate mo- women more and mothers is they, they give birth to kids, right? So she's got like four kids. So I mean, talk about dealing with big rocks. You know, they don't always kids don't always come around exactly when you plan for them. Just like cancer doesn't come along, and a lot of the big rocks in our lives are mostly unplanned, I would say, aren't they? So the planning is good. The weekly planning is is getting, maybe it's, my hair's, let's get philosophical. Maybe it's good to have a, a rhythm of good practices so that um, you know how to deal with big rocks when they come. It's a lot of big rocks are awesome and great. And, and usually people like dealing with big rocks that are great. And uh, so you just deal with it. So am I cynical about weekly planning? I guess so. Is most of it because I don't do it? Yeah. (laughs) So 
So just because I don't do it means nobody should do it? No. Could I benefit from doing weekly planning? Yes. How much benefit could I get? I don't know. Am I able to decide or make small steps towards that direction? Yeah. Will I do that? Probably. But it's, there's rhythms in life, right? I mean, I'm in a rhythm right now. I can't, it's like, I don't know what, I'm still trying to figure out the rhythm. But uh, I'm around some people that are full of grace. So I like the the concept of grace and work and business and life, right? And um, sat next to an interesting guy on the uh, airplane. He's an executive coach. You know, he's retired from business, and now he coaches CEOs. And, uh, yeah, we talked about A players and B players and what's it take to be a good CEO and what was some of the takeaways from that discussion were two axes were what you're good at, how good are you doing something? So that's like your vertical axis and horizontal is what do you like to do? So you have like four quadrants, stuff that you really like to do and that you're good at. That's like the upper right quadrant. And that's where we want to live, right? Doing stuff that we like to do that we're good at. And, uh, a lot of people are morning hey bud um a lot of people are good at stuff but they don't like doing it (laughs) and uh some people are like doing things but they're no good at it so you don't want to be in that quadrant but he and he kind of humorously said well you better be in the quadrant of something that you're good at, whether you like it or not. So that's, that's unfortunately the, the years 20 to 70, probably. So for 50 years of our lives, we better be good at what we're doing. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe after 70, you can still be good at whatever you're doing. It'd be nice if things were a growth. And, and it's the old paradigm, right? So I'm, what was I saying? I was thinking about that too on this for this podcast. I am stuck in the old paradigm. I'm 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 kind of like letting go of the old paradigm because um, this this person she mentioned in her Facebook post how she, in 14 hours a week she's able to run a business pretty nicely. And I think there's some book called The Four Hour Week. Probably the same thing. The guy's like, well, you can you can get done in four hours a week and uh, make a living at it. And that's true. So the old paradigm is um, of the generation is like you go to college, you get a degree, and then um, you go work for somebody, and then you get promoted, and you move up the ladder and get paid more and more, but you're still working 40 to 50, 60 hours a week, right? And the entrepreneurial style is like, oh, wait a minute. I can make the same kind of money and work less, right? So, so then it gets down to a question is, do you, how much do you want to make, right? And what's, what's the mathematical equation? So for every hour you put into something, do you get more out? Because the generation, we start out when we're 16, we get dollars per hour, right? So the, 
we start getting ingrained with this. Hey, if I work at the grocery store, I get paid three, six, ten bucks an hour when you're 16 and you're sitting there going like, well, I'd really like a hundred bucks. And then you just go, well, if I want a hundred bucks, I've got to show up for 10 hours type of thing. Instead of the creative, more refreshing entrepreneurial creative side says, I want a hundred bucks. And I was like, I don't care how long it takes, you know, whether it's one hour or what I just, what, what do I do? What am I good at? What are my skills? What, is there other ways is every income is it dependent on a job is it dependent on some company hiring me so that's one way most people do that most people do work for other companies so that's where the the discussion of the worker management unions all that complexity working by the hour getting pay raises for doing the same thing over and over again you know, all that discussion has got a lot of momentum because that's where probably, I don't know what percentage, is it, is that where 70% of the workforce lives or 80? I don't know. If 80% of the workforce is living in the paradigm of what they call salary slaves, say you're a slave to your salary and I've been there, it's like, okay, I'm doing something good, right? I'm working for a big company, I'm contributing to the company's progress, and, and there's a disconnect. It's like you think you're doing something. You're wondering, like, well, does the stock price is going up? Is that has nothing to do with me? The stock price is going down. Hopefully that has nothing to do with you. And you sit there and you're, like, listening to presidents do quarterly reports and talk about earnings per share and gross margin and, you know, it looks all honky-dory. And it's more, then it turns out in hindsight, it's more of just a show of numbers because it does in these big corporations you're just so disconnected from the results that they're telling you matter and that's where the big corporations maybe they're getting the human resources people to look at the interpersonal reaction but most of the unfortunately most of the big corporations are full of type a's who are climbing the ladder trying to claw over everybody to make it to the top so you know, at some point, it's like refining oil, like different fuels burn off at different levels. And the higher, you know, some people burn off and then they're unleaded fuel and they're, they're happy to hang out with all the other unleaded fuel people or something. I don't, you know, that's a vague description. So for any of you oil refinery folks out there, um, there's, that might make some sense. And I'm just talking on a podcast randomly, so so I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm fairly convinced. I, I know what I'm talking about, but I don't want to spend much more time explaining it. <laughs> so hopefully you get it, Bud. You're huffing and puffing. How you doing? We're on our way home, Bud. So washed Buddy the other day. He's nice and clean. Can't really tell with short hair how clean he is. But, uh, yeah, he seems pretty happy. So the salary slave concept, I've heard that a couple years ago. It's, it is interesting. And it, does, it is a mindset paradigm we get stuck in. So entrepreneurs are more, well, maybe I can, maybe I'll spend 100 hours not getting paid so that in the future, 
I can get $1,000 an hour and not have to do much, you know? So it's that setup phase, creating something in the business world that's like the non-recurring expense is like investment to invest in a, in a period of time in something. And then later you can sit back and let it grow. Passive income, sometimes it's called, sometimes it can be just be called farming. <laughs> I had the thought as I was saying that, that, well, it's, isn't that kind of like what farmers do? They plant seeds in the ground and then um, the harvest comes in later, you know? They work, I don't know if it's April, May, June, plant corn, and then they sit back and wait for a while. So they've not a whole lot. I'm sure they are really cool and keep busy. And that, that whole industry, there's fewer and fewer people working in the agricultural industry just because of efficiencies and other things. And a lot of those efficiencies are probably because people who used to work in there said, hey, I'm going to go to the city and work in a factory or do something else. It's steady work. It's not like the farm where the farmer says, well, we just planted everything, so we, all we do now is sit around for three months and wait for the corn to grow. But anyways, that's how that goes. I've never been a farmer, and I've never aspired to be a farmer, agriculture, but I'm sure there's some attractive features to that, isn't there? You know? You bust hump for three or four or five weeks, whatever it is, and take a break and then do it again, harvesting a product. So that's kind of, in a way, it's not, it's sort of entrepreneurial. Now we have so many ways to generate income. And my thoughts of the wee hours of the night is kind of, with seven billion people on the planet, I mean, if, if you can get a lot of people giving you a dollar or even a half a dollar, if you can get a lot of people giving you a half a buck, that's a, that's a pretty good thing. You know, it doesn't get, it's not real quote unquote sexy, right? But if you get a lot of people giving you um, a small amount, it adds up. And especially if you can automate it, make it easy, and it just happens. Then it frees you up to do other things. So I think that's the direction my friend is going. And uh, I, I like her because she's not a hyper pumper, like, you know, oh, this is exciting, this is the best thing. It's more matter of fact. And the, the number one reason I listen to her, appreciate her insights is I know she's adding value. She adds value to what I would like to do. So, and probably the reality is even big corporations talk about value added. What's, what's the value add? What's the value proposition? What do you do for somebody, right? So two big corporations selling each other products, it gets a little bit, what do you call it, clinical or sterile because you're, one company's developing one big chunk of metal to go on somebody else's 
big chunk of metal. And then that ultimate product gets out into the into the economy, so to speak. Thus, we have Boeing 737s and Airbus A320s to move our carcasses all around the planet. For what reason? <laughs> We're moving our carcasses. Right, bud? You don't get to fly, bud, and you don't carry. You're just, you're just happy to walk along the sidewalk. Aren't you, bud? Look at you. What's that? Some concrete? Well, let's not poop in this guy's yard. He thought he accused you of pooping in his lawn before. He was so convinced that you pooped in his yard. Bud. Rabbit. There it is, rabbit. So you probably podcast listeners probably like a little bit of diversion into the the main subject of these podcasts, which is Buddy the dog, the schnoodle, walking in the desert. And uh, so that diversion's over. <laughs> so adding value, yeah. So I am adding value in a weird way. So, you know, you're listening. I'm a human being, right? So we all have value. I have thoughts. You don't have to agree with them. And maybe you agree with... Let's say we'll start out at 40% and then 50%, 60, I don't know, 70, a lot. And, uh, and that's okay. So it's, it's like we decide in our mind, like what that percentage, like this, this is where if you don't have, I'm learning about this fixed mentality, abundance mentality. I don't know if I'm learning about it. It's more of a living in mindset change. Um, we can disagree with people, even in a, probably a high percentage. It doesn't mean we devalue them. They have their views on things. And usually, like, it starts out maybe like, eh, I disagree with them there. Like, I only agree with them 60%. But then if you start talking to them and then they start really getting annoying, then it may, it may drop down to 40%. It's all subconscious to the point where it's like people have different thresholds of, like, all right, you're, I only agree with you 30%. We breathe the same air, so we're on the same planet. And that's just, I'm done talking about this anymore. <laughs> but in my family, we're able to try to talk, even when we get to the, like, the depths of um, the really low levels of agreement. We still go at it. Others would call that arguing. <laughs> we, we still consider it conversation and dialogue. <laughs> so that's the that's the family of your uh, that your podcast presenter here today is coming from. So we, we yeah we we're a family of arguing or intense discussioning, and we move on. I mean, we just have our strong opinions and and uh, argue for them and make it happen so is that value to you i don't know it's you're the value now is you've you've got one other data point on this seven billion person planet that has you know different opinions um so value so it's i guess get a little bit short-term life short-term living on this planet what are we building you know everything's measured even 
you know, like corporations love the quarterly, quarterly measurement sticks. And uh, I guess families do monthly. I mean, you got monthly bills. If you paid your bills this month, I guess that's a good month. So, and then, so the expectations, setting goals. And I suppose scheduling your week is kind of like setting goals. So I should get more serious about scheduling my week because that's an indication of of setting goals. And I do have goals in my head. See, everything's in my head. I notice I've tried to live my life doing it all in my head and not writing things down and my personality, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what it was about my upbringing. I just probably really chaotic and I had a lot of rocks rocks dropping in my life I'm starting to like that um, analogy of the jar with the sand that you put the, the the sand in the jar and then the oh the jar's full and now you don't have room for a rock well I think I don't know if the guy did this or not Kobe but the, it's not a fixed situation I think that jar gets tipped over quite a bit so we're continually putting sand in our jars and then dumping them out maybe he did that I don't know I can't remember the the last thing I remember is don't fill your jar with sand because you don't have room for rocks so the way I've been living and probably a lot of people do is yeah we put a lot of sand in our rocks in our jars but we dump it out, dude. So this is my anti-manipulation thing. So I feel manipulated a little bit by Stephen Covey. So I feel slightly manipulated by him saying, well, you know, don't put sand in your jar because you won't have room for rocks. And it's like, oh, you're so right. But he could have just as well carried it on to the next level and say, well, re- really, folks, I mean, he... He comes across like he's a guy that never puts any sand in his jar, right? He's just like, well, I'm Stephen Covey. I'm standing up here on stage talking to thousands of people. And I wrote these books, you know, the, what is it? Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And there's some good principles there. Um, Great principles, more than likely. But uh, let's live in the moment so that that fixed jar that's like not Stephen Covey's not living the abundant view of life when he talks about a jar sand and rocks because the abundant way of looking at it is you can dump the jar over at any time dude and he probably doesn't like to think of it that way because he wants people to be disciplined he's uh, as that uh executive coach guy I sat on the airplane he talked about another dimension of autocratic versus collaborative and I'm definitely a collaborative mindset dude I want to collaborate with people and uh, um, collaboration to me is I enjoy collaboration Um, but then again of course there's 7 billion on the people or 7 billion people on the planet so who are you collaborating with, right? And, you know, the autocratic people don't really 
like to collaborate so much, perhaps, or they just are so busy, so impatient. You know, everything's an interruption to them. Got to get this done. Got to go do that. And it's just nonstop. So I don't know what the frenzy of the, the corporate living is just bizarre. So paradigm shift. I'm working through cancer. I'm starting a new job. It's a pretty good one, as far as I can tell. I got to get results. That's it. It's kind of it's kind of entrepreneurial, you know. They're they'll tolerate me, and I don't have to deal with that many people internally. It's just I got to go get results. So, and they don't know. It's creative. They don't know. No one can say, "Oh, here, go." Go talk to this person because they're going to allow us to bid on, you know, $10 million worth of business. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. What's, what it is is like, okay, here's, we know these companies are spending money on this stuff. So go find out if we can manufacture that stuff for them. And so I just got to go get results. So that's pretty you know, basic entrepreneurialism and it's a pretty good setup and maybe it's a new thing in the world because of technology because we have all these communication systems and phone systems, computers, people can work remotely, so to speak. And what does that mean remotely? Well, remotely is because we're in the knowledge-based economy, right? So. And what does that mean? That's a real complex thing, knowledge-based economy. Um, information, value through information. Um, and a lot of it has to do with marketing and sales and data-driven. You know, who's buying what? Again, a $10 selling something that costs a buck for 10 bucks is a good deal, especially if you can sell it a million times. But that, so it's almost like, what's the <laughs> biggest value you can provide for the least amount of personal cost, right? What's the, the biggest value for the least amount of personal cost and then sell that to the most people, you know, deliver it to the most people possible because then your pricing is low and it's all relative to other things we purchase. So we used to, there's all these stories about how a loaf of bread was five cents and houses were $10,000 back in the day. Well, everything's inflated now. I mean, shoot, $10,000 house, are you kidding me? I mean, they, I think they said the median is like 14 times that much, right? So there's a, you know, $10 really isn't that much. So that would be like less than a buck. But that's a really good return though. If you can produce something for a dollar, sell it for 10 bucks, and like I said, deliver it to millions of people, which we can with the internet and online, online, uh, online marketing, so to speak, online selling.
So there you go. And I will not be nightish of others. So that's probably a first step in abundance thinking is just because somebody else, we, it seems that there's a transition. You look at people that are like incredibly successful through the internet and you're like, oh gosh, that's, that is so stupid. Look at them. They're making all this money doing this, this, and this on the internet. Well, it's not that stupid, right? They thought of it. And they're adding value. People are exchanging money for something, whether even if it's just $10, if they're exchanging it for something, then they chose to deliver $10 for what you got. So there you go. Um, bud, you're, um, you're doing okay, bud. It's not super sunny out. And uh, we're heading uphill. And we're almost home, so that's good. And I don't know what the theme of this podcast has been, really. I don't know. The listeners can probably shout at me and say, Mike, the theme of your podcast is this. (laughs) But, But it's still in development, right? I don't have a formula for this podcast. I don't do three things. I don't start out with this and then go to that and then go to this. And for those of you who were listening to my Sunday morning um, podcast where I thought I was going to get abused at church by a message of invitation, and it really was bizarre. It fell flat. It was really weird. It was low attendance, and I went and listened. And it's really a challenging passage, Revelations 21 and 22. In fact, I need to get back to that and study it myself because there's some interesting commentary in there or interesting points, and I don't really understand that book. Not that I feel like it's critical. I mean, it's kind of, everyone agrees it is kind of a freaky, freaky biblical text. And I don't want to base my beliefs on all this freakazoid theory. And that's, that's another one of these issues I have with churches is most of us, I'm guilty of it for probably 20 years. It's like we get busy, we get lazy, we go to Sunday morning service and we want the pastor to teach us something that will get us through a week or something. Or It's just weird. And that's not how the last couple of years for me have all been. Nope, not going to do that going to do my own reading programs. I'm going to do my own relating, worshiping, praying to God every day for a little bit and not wait for Sunday. So I guess that is one of the reasons why I'm critical because I don't see the things lining up. So the stuff I'm studying and experiencing in my daily readings are not being reflected in the Sunday morning deal. And it was built up to be such a big deal this past week and uh, low attendance. And I don't think, and it was even built up before he started. And then it just wasn't closed. And I mean, some people would say, well, the pastor wasn't a closer. Well, I... 
I hate that terminology anyway, because it's sales, sales terminology. But some cold-hearted person would say that, would say, well, the pastor didn't close it. So whatever. But I'm, maybe he finally looked out and said, hey, these guys are, they actually don't need this message, so I'm gonna back off with the hard sell. So maybe he, maybe he realized that now. And, uh, no, but, so I think I'll end the podcast there, folks. Next episode probably won't be until the weekend, unless I have some kind of squirrely idea about doing one from Chicago. But anyway, have a good week. Bye-bye.